So we had the National Chicken Wing Festival this weekend. International Chicken Wing Festival. Is it international now? It, it is now. I Holy just gave boy. it that bloomed in all over the world. <laughs> they moved up from the ballpark and now they're at the football stadium. Right. And if you've ever volunteered for that event, because I guess they can't afford to pay their employees to take care of the thing, it's the most disgusting thing you've ever volunteered for. Do they still do? I I've only heard tales, but I heard about a like kiddie pool full of blue cheese. That's, where you, that's you correct. Dunk for chicken wings. Yes, you put your head it's in gross. The blue cheese. It's disgusting. That's, with, guess, with strangers, <laughs> I guess people love it. Well, right. and, and maybe with COVID, not, not and, this and year. summer weather because there's yeah. nothing that makes blue cheese good with like no, sitting out in like 75 degrees with no shade. Yeah. You, you have to wear a mask when you dunk your head in the blue cheese pool now. Mm, yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. Good luck. Mm-hmm. It's a little more challenging. So we didn't go. Jim and I went to Portland, Maine this weekend. You went on a little road trip adventure. A little road mm-hmm. trip. And um, I had a little eating contest of my own. Oh? Yeah, lobster. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't realize what marker eight was. And now I have debilitating credit card debt. <laughs> oh. So I'm really hurting. Um, please donate to the Patreon. Mm-hmm. Purchase shirts. Help me out. Um, I do not want to go to the mob for a loan. Well, as Ryan was racking up just just crazy credit card debt, um, and I, I went to a wedding this weekend. But um, you know who did make it to the Wing Festival? Who's that? That's right, Ernest the dog. Ernest did, yeah, yeah. Ernest made Ernest, oh. Ernest didn't go to Portland with us. Really? What was it? Was he competing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How, he, first he bobbed. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, Got his Pomeranian fur all matted down with blue cheese. Okay. And then he got into the uh, wing eating contest. Nice. Yeah. What do you rank? First. It's amazing. You wouldn't think a little 13-pound dog could eat 154 chicken wings in six minutes, but he yeah. did. Way to go, Ernest. Yeah. Hey, to, bones I, and all. I'd hate to be Ernest Groomer. <laughs> I, just, you know, I don't want to be the one cleaning up his bathroom for the next two weeks. And welcome back to The Square, Buffalo's premier podcast for Ernest the Dog, of course, and chicken wing contests. Today... And paying off Ryan's credit card. And enormous paying credit off card debt. Ryan's credit card debt. Oh, well, folks, we're doing the damn thing. It's Labor Day, and we're laboring, okay? When this is what we do for you, because we love our listeners. I know some people on this podcast will make fun of you sometimes, call you little weirdos and freaks and political junkies. But at the end of the day, we love you, and and we put in the work, we show up, we do the damn thing. So we're doing it today with none other than Jeff Kelly of Investigative Post. Jeff, what's up, man? Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, guys. Thank you. Return guest, Jeff Kelly. Love to see it. Love to have him. Actually, in the snake pit with us this time, so that's cool. We also have the usuals. We got... Go Bills. Go Bills, a.k.a. Jim. And we have... We have Snake. And we have Snake, a.k.a. Ryan, a.k.a. So speaking of the Portland trip, Jim wore a Bill's Wombat shirt, and he got like the most, he was like a local celebrity by the end of their two days Mm -hmm. there. It was insane how many people came up to him, kissed him on the mouth. Right. There there was was that that, uh, group of people who made me take a picture with him at the bar. That's right. Wow. It It was crazy. They don't make them like you in Portland, Jim. Yeah. So if you want to be a celebrity, wear any Bill's gear in Portland, Maine. Well, you boys are back home now, and there's some there's some major developments on the home front, gentlemen. While you were away, while yeah, while you were out playing on, uh, you know, the coast, we had some big things happening here. Of course, we're talking about Byron Brown. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Jeff, what happened, man? For the listeners, for like the two list, the two people who listen to this who don't know, what happened with Byron Brown this week? On Friday, a federal district court judge, Nick Sinatra, whose last name may sound familiar to you, uh, ruled that the Board of Elections was wrong to disqualify Byron Brown's independent nominating petition by which he aimed to create a new ballot line, the Buffalo Party, and be its candidate for mayor in the November 2nd general election. The Board of Elections rejected this petition on the basis that it was almost three months late. Uh, the deadline had passed May 25th. He turned it in August 17th. It seemed like a no-brainer. But, of course, there's a lawsuit, that two lawsuits, in fact, one in state court, one in federal court. The federal judge, who is the bigwig, so his ruling is going to drag the state judge with him, uh, decide, first of all declares, I don't think I'm conflicted, even though my brother, real estate developer Nick Sinatra, is a major supporter, major donor to Byron Brown. And rules, sure, let's just put him on the ballot. Let's just, you know, put him on the ballot for now. But that means he's going to stay on the ballot because, as you know, the the deadline, the ballot has to be certified this week and has to be mailed out to veterans and absentees next week. So it's a, it's a, he's created an absolute shit show. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a nightmare. Regardless, regardless of it, if it stands or not, um, we were talking before the show that this has potentially larger implications just beyond our mayor's race, but we'll keep it local for now. Um, what, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with this because I didn't think it was possible for any judge, no matter like how, how, um, how in the tank they were, let's say for Byron Brown to even make this kind of ruling and just throw out the the deadlines. Jim, you're our you are our one-time election board of elections guy. What's up with this man? Are they losing their minds down at uh, yeah, the board I of mean, elections? Yeah, they they have to be because you know, as the Republican commissioner said this week, I guess this means that there's no deadlines. So, who knows who's going to turn petitions in this week and try to get their name on the ballot, but and then now they'll just have to accept them. I've already heard of at least one earnest candidate who intends to seek a ballot line. Yeah. Who was, who was running a writing campaign and who's not like, well, you know, what the heck? Right. You know, I personally put out on Twitter, I was like, now's Mickey Kern's time to shine. You know, get out there and it, he would potentially win. Um, I think because I think he would pull all the Republican conservative votes and he'd pull a certain percentage of Democratic votes from South Buffalo and from Riverside and. Probably not much else. He's not picking up any votes in Maston, I'll tell you that. No, at least no more than, and probably possibly fewer, if that is possible, <laughs> than he did in 2009. Uh, the thing about this is, so so it does op- it does sort of say, like, there is no law. What is a board of elections for? Mm-hmm. You know, all this sort of stuff. It could have sort of long-running implications if this ruling is allowed to stand. But of course it's going to be appealed. Uh, The Walton campaign has said they'll appeal. The Board of Elections is meeting Tuesday to have a public hearing of all things at the Board of Elections to decide basically what the hell to do. Should they appeal? What will the state attorney general do? It will go to appeal. And it seems, I mean, I guess it seemed unlikely that there would be a ruling like Judge Sinatra's on Friday, but it seems that it will probably be overturned. Even if it is, 
what does that mean? That the Board of Elections has to print up new ballots without Byron Brown's name, having already mailed out a ballot that has a name on it, and then say, no, 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 don't fill out that one. We, throw away that one mm-hmm. we sent before. I hope you didn't already mail it. It's going to create, create confusion if that happens. And it is grist for lawsuits down the road. Any candidate who wants to contest the results of the November election can say if their election touched the city at all, like a county sheriff's race or mm-hmm. the county controller's race, and it's close, they can say, I don't, you know, we can't trust this count. We can't trust these ballots. There are two sets of ballots, you know, flag. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because on this show, I, <laughs> I do like to bag on our erstwhile ECDC Commissioner Jeremy Zellner, but I actually do feel for him in this specific instance because, look, like, they they, they did everything right. Like, the, the Board of Elections, they did everything. Hey, the guy didn't make the deadline, so, okay, he's not going to be on the ballot. All of a sudden, like, the party infrastructure has just been completely neutered here. Both, both the Democrats and the Republicans, I know the Republicans will find a way to find opportunities in the chaos here, but if you're the Democrats, man, like what the hell are you there for? You know, you had your primary. Was it the result that uh, a faction of your party wanted? No. But at the end of the day, you have your candidate who was successful, who ran a successful primary campaign. And it's like, okay, what what is the point then of having the parties in these primaries if, you know, you can just show up on the ballot whenever. There's no deadlines. There's no rules. Just pure chaos. Um, as long as you have have the right friends and enough money. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean it's just so nakedly, openly corrupt, and you don't give a shit about any of the voters, right? It, it, it's truly, it's truly pure disdain, just for even any pretense you might have of of fairness, of justice. Like it, it's just open, an open mockery of that to have mm-hmm. Nick Sinatra, um, to have a judge who is so blatantly in the tank and has connections and has financial ramifications for them just to make this kind of ruling. I, I don't know. Is this, is there any precedent to this Jim? Well, I mean, like Jeff said, before we started, uh, I guess Byron's lawyers would say there is, and now, and now it's been proven. Um, but not, not anything like this locally. I mean, this it's, we, we keep talking about because it matters locally that this neuters like the Erie County board of elections, but it really it's statewide. There's 63 counties in New York state who, why do they have commissioners of board of elections now? Doesn't matter. They're, they're not there to rule on anything. Um, I mean, now like, you know, you know, we, everybody assumes that this will be overturned and then it'll just be chaos. Um, but if it's allowed to stand, then what you have is like this whole sore loser argument that Jeremy Toth made in the county's filing where like you lose, you don't get a second bite at the apple. Well, now apparently you do. Now you can just, you can, you don't have to run your independent nominating petitions before the primary. You can wait to see if you win. And if you lose, run petitions and get it back on the ballot. At this point, realistically, why bother having a primary system in New York? Go to the California model where everybody's on the ballot. Yeah, I saw some people commenting on Twitter, um, you know, it's a shades of Connecticut for Lieberman back in 2006 when uh, Joe Lieberman lost the Connecticut uh, Democratic primary, but then ultimately won his election for the Senate seat. But, and, and listeners for you, I did, I did some research. I was alive in 2006. I sort of remembered what happened. But actually, Joe Lieberman's camp, they, 
they took um, they got uh, signatures before that primary because they thought there was a possibility that Joe Lieberman could lose to Ned Lamont, which did happen in the Democratic primary. But it wasn't like he took it to the courts and they they got him on the ballot. Ultimately, like he did what you were supposed to do. So this is not that. Right. The, the other thing that this isn't that I saw on Twitter um, was I saw people like not from the area complaining that this was just another example of mainstream Democrats working with mainstream Republicans to keep the, the left wing of the party down. And this really isn't that. This is one particular Democrat, Byron Brown, working with Republicans. It's not the Republic, the Democratic apparatus working with the uh, Republicans. The Democratic Party has endorsed India Walton. Um She's been endorsed by a sitting state assemblyman from the area. She received the endorsement, as we'll get to, from a state senator for the, uh, from the area. Um, you know, she is pulling in endorsements. There are a couple of isolated elected officials, elected Democrats, who have sided with the mayor on this. But, you know, Chris Scanlon and Joe Golombek, who are basically Republicans anyways, don't have machines. They don't have an apparatus that they're, they're throwing behind this. No, and, and I mean, it bears repeating that the two judges who ruled in Byron Brown's favor last week both come to their judgeships through Republican politics. Nick Sinatra, or pardon me, John Sinatra is a, I made that mistake earlier. Is a committed Republican. You can look at, you can see it by looking at his donations over the past years. Um, some of which, by the way, are attributed to Byron Brown because he, because Hodgson Russ, his law firm, would give a donation and part of it, if he was a partner, part of it would be attributed to him. So there are some folks out there saying, John Sinatra is a donor to Byron Brown, and it is technically true. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was more of, I think, just to look at the paperwork, it looks like it was a firm donation. But in any case, he's a Republican through and through. Uh, he was appointed at the behest of Chris Collins, um, you know, and of course his brother Nick Sinatra is, is tied into Republican politics, not just locally, but nationally. Yeah, and I mean... We've talked a little bit about this before, um, the implications of Byron Brown winning this race. And what does his what does his tenure as mayor moving forward look like should he win this race? And to be completely untethered now from the Democratic Party to pretty much whole hog lean into now being a de facto Republican. You know, he had Republicans running his petitions. He basically has like the Republican party apparatus uh, aside from Carl Paladino calling him a mope. Um, he does have like the, the backing and blessing for the most part of the Republican party. Like we are facing the prospect of having, and, and I don't say this lightly, honestly, like I know, you know, for most of his term, Byron Brown has been largely milk toast, you know, pro developer certainly, but now he doesn't have to have the pretense even of being a democratic party mayor, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever that meant for him before he doesn't have to do it anymore. Um, I'm of the opinion that I think he's going to lean into it. I think he's going to, if, if he were to win and God forbid, but if he were to win, I think that he will truly embrace being the, I beat socialism mayor. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I think he'll do everything, but wear a red hat. Like, <laughs> like, no, I, I seriously, like for those who can't see it, Jim's wearing a red hat, Jim's right? wearing a red hat. <laughs> but I mean, expect, you know, if, if Byron Brown were, were to win, expect like him to get lots of appearances on Fox news and, you know, expect just really like everything you liked about Trump. Well, you're going to get it out of Byron Brown. 
honestly. Uh, the the level the level of bluster and rhetoric. Like, look, this is. And I know, Jim, you think he's a little bit too old for this, Byron Brown, but this could really be like his his second wind is in his political career um, for a long time. Like he, he'd been hampered down moving where, up the chain. In the but Democratic where, where is he going to go with this? Who's going to run for Congress in an overwhelming Democratic district as as the MAGA guy? You're going to run for governor? I'm just saying, I don't know where it leads to, but it's certainly like it opens up doors for him that he previously did not have. I, I think I think I disagree. I actually, I'm with Jim. It doesn't lead anywhere for him. The only where the only place it leads, the only door for him is the door back into the second floor office. He's, he doesn't. There's a reason he's running for a fifth term mm-hmm. as mayor. It's because he has not found any exit. Yeah, and he'd I, like I, he'd like one. He's looked for one. Yeah, I I, th- I think this this actually closes off any uh, any potential doors for him. He's he's locked in as he's he's only mayor. If he wants to continue to run for office, he's got to run for a sixth term. And he might he may you know even if he loses, he might come back and run for an office again, run for again maybe as a Republican in four years. But or or as a dem- remember Jimmy Griffin came back yeah. for to be a common council member just <laughs> just basically to be a, a pain in everyone's ass. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy Griffin, man. Well, yeah, so on the other side, oh, before we move off of the the Republicans here, we'd be uh, remiss if we did not mention the big dog. Chris Grant weighs in on the the election here, and and specifically Sinatra's ruling, Jim. What did... uh, your boy Chris. Uh, I don't. I'm paraphrasing him, but he said something like, "You know, it's it's great to have that that the, the Trump administration delivered all these Republican uh, judges so that we could own the libs." Is essentially what he, he his point of it was. Yeah, that was about, that was about the gist of it. Yeah. Um. Uh. I mean, so you know, Chris Grant pulling back the sheet, saying, "You know, these aren't independent judges. This is a Republican judge." Yeah, and I know our our boy. Uh, Rob Galbraith had a nice little little dunk on him. I know these things don't matter in the end, but it is. Yeah, just got to give that the whistle. Give it the whistle. Give it the slide whistle. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling up. He had something very funny to say. Oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> bringing up uh, uh, Chris Grant and of course Chris Collins' legal legal troubles. According to the FBI, Chris Grant was well. All right, we'll start with Chris's initial tweet here, just for the record. Uh, Chris Grant at Sanguine GOP fuck is that sorry but sorry collins listeners collins <laughs> students if you're still listening to us single best thing president trump did was put conservative judges on the bench and the legacy will last for 40 years the parade of socialist jokers in buffalo led by india walton buffalo uh whining about attacks on democracy makes it extra sweet i mean credit to chris listen credit to chris grant and credit to the republicans for knowing what the stakes are with these sorts of things you know it, it does get lost I feel like in, in the democratic, um, I, I don't even know, like in the conversation about like matters of power and, and matters of like judges and how, um, how much that matters. But Chris Grant does have his eye on the prize here saying like, Hey, those judges are going to be around for fucking ever. So this is going to be uh pretty good for us. But then Rob Galbraith, our, our, our man, our man on the tweets there, 
according to the FBI, Chris Grant was part of insider trading scheme that led to his boss, Chris Collins, resignation in disgrace and fraud conviction. Collins, a business partner with Nick Sinatra, is why Nick's brother's John, Nick's brother, John, who put Brown back on the ballot as a federal judge. So, you know, I, I don't know. I guess this is all we really have to say about that. All the stars head. are here. Yeah, all the stars are here. <laughs> yeah. Every, everybody you hate is, is involved in this uh, in this shit show here. But on the other side, Jim, we've got uh, the, the cavalry's coming, as it were. Well, one at a time. One, one, one horse at a time. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not the cavalry. <laughs> okay, okay. Right. So, I, this, this is not the, uh, the Battle of the Bastards where all of a sudden, you know, the Reach shows up. Paul Revere at best. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yes, yes. State Senator Sean Ryan has now officially endorsed Andy Walton. Yeah, I mean, I think this makes sense. Again, um, the district, the part of Buffalo that Sean has um, overwhelmingly supported India Walton in the primary, uh, will overwhelmingly support her in the general election. Sean has a very safe seat in the state Senate. So while maybe this ruffles some feathers in the Hamburg part of his district, he can easily overcome that with the Buffalo vote. Um, I don't, this seems like a no brainer, just like it did for John Rivera. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. And there, there are, and you're right. It may ruffle some feathers in Hamburg, but there's a lot of Democrats in Hamburg too. Mm-hmm. Um, none of whom are, you know, particularly uh, enamored of Byron Brown. Right. They're not particularly protective of him. So, except for those who are, you know, Buffalo cops. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's a whole other story. But yeah, it's in, in Sean, of course, Sean Ryan, of course, like right after the primary just came out blasting Byron. So he, he more, you know, called and said, it's over. It's o- go home. It's over. You know, he was pretty strident. Mm-hmm. So he had already made his bed. If, if Byron is keeping a list, he's on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if he's, if he's got his Nixon list of enemies. Yeah. Um, Sean was on it very early. Right. So why not go all in? So let me throw it to you guys. So the endorsements that we've seen so far, uh, John Rivera, Sean Ryan, um, is there anybody I'm forgetting? I mean, I know it's some school board members, some school right. board members. Is, is there anybody, and I'm not talking about obviously like Chris Scanlon, but is there anybody in the democratic party locally here who, if they came out full throated for India would be kind of surprising. And do you think that could have an impact? Like, is there any endorsement yet to come that you're waiting on to say, ah? Either way, the uh, the council members, uh, Pridgen and Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Now, I think odds are that they just, they don't endorse either candidate, that they stay quiet. Odds are. But if one of them, if one of them endorses, probably both of them will. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and we... Wingo is going to stick with Byron Brown. Uh, Joel Farletto, I think, is going to stay out of it. Yes. Um, <clears throat> Golombek and Scanlon are committed <clears throat> to Byron Brown. But, but so those two council members would be interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, <clears throat> Wyatt, especially um, because University District is like the third or fourth most voting councilmatic district in the city. Were he to come out and endorse, that would be a big deal because that so many people in that district vote. You know, the the I agree that I think that if Pridgen made a comment that that would be important, and I I do think you're right that if one of them does, both of them do. But you know, Pridgen's district, Ellicott, 
is like the lowest waiting, lowest voting district in the city. No, but remember, he's got like he's got, he's got like four thousand parishioners. He's, 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 yeah, he's got the, he's got he's got an outside weight, uh, outsized weight because he's got all those parishioners there. And yeah, yeah, I I don't think that we're I the only person who I see coming down the pipe who might endorse doesn't matter, and that might be Dave Rivera because why not? She won Niagara like seventy four to twenty six or something like that. He's already kind of de facto endorsed because his son did, right? I mean, I know, I know, Mitch uh, Nowakowski was obviously very cagey about uh, about saying anything one way or the other, and I think he's somebody who would probably behoove him to maybe make the Walton endorsement, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Like, I know his district is primarily, um, I would say, pretty heavily in favor of India Walton, so I. I don't. Maybe he doesn't even have to. Maybe he can just stay out of it and not have any ramifications. I don't. You you felt a little differently before we talked about. This I, I mean, I I feel like staying out of it's probably the best move for for Mitch. Um, he's he's in his first term. He doesn't have a a, a ton of pull on the common council, and he, his district needs city resources. Um, so were he to get onto the mayor's list. And I'm not sure he's there yet because he has been so cagey about it. Um, were he to end up on the mayor's list, I mean, then his district just gets no resources for the next four years. And he can't afford to do that. I mean, another one would be like Brian Bowman, but like Lovejoy didn't didn't really go for India Walton. It went more heavily for Brown, um, but he doesn't get any favors from Brown anyway, so there's no reason for him to endorse one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, and and you know it could just be something where <laughs> Mitch just ends up on the list just because his district. Like I, I see Byron Brown. It were he to win this um, this November, like I see him on the warpath because that man. Look, I I'm from South Buffalo originally. Okay, I remember not getting my streets plowed because <laughs> because Byron Brown wasn't going to plow the streets. Uh, you know, in, in Mickey Kearns' district. And I, I just feel like we're going to take this to another level. So I, I just, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about. Well, I always say spite's my greatest motivator, and I'm sure that that probably <laughs> is true for Byron as well. Uh, Brian or Byron? Byron? Byron. Well, Byron. So you know Are you writing in his name? Well, <laughs> well that, here's the interesting thing, speaking of the write-in now, is now that he's on the ballot, write-ins don't count. That's yeah. Are we talking about? Out well, about we'll that? see. We'll see how the lawsuit goes, right? Yeah. Uh, in the past, write-ins didn't count if your name was on the ballot. I think that's correct, right? Yeah. If your name was on the ballot, if somebody wrote you in, that didn't count because they had an opportunity. They didn't to just read. add together the right. two. Right. Yeah. Um, we'll see what you know. If it's close and there's a lawsuit, what you know, what you know, what the Sinatra brings to us. Right, the Sinatra. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk later. Again, this mayor's race is going to go on forever, so we'll just keep talking about it. But I will, I will say, I, I will be interested in the um, as we get further to the actual election. Byron Brown's uh, get out the vote. Like, I, I wonder how potent that is at this point, having seen what happened in the the primary. But well, I I just well, I'm excited because he's got all those write it down Byron Brown signs out. <laughs> and now if he can't be write it down, if he's got to go replace all those empty lots with new, don't write it down Byron Brown signs. 
Maybe they'll just have a sticker made that they could just apply that says don't. <laughs> oh, well, moving from uh, our little city to uh, our big state, we had a vote, guys, on the eviction moratorium. Um, I, I don't know the particulars. I know that it, it was extended, right, through, through January. Um, that was pushed by Kathy Hochul, I believe. And that um, mm-hmm. that it was the eviction moratorium has been extended through January of 2022. Um, we had we had an interesting vote. Here is the uh, the old sausage getting made mm. portion of the show. Okay, because politics, mm, you know, sometimes it's a little little ugly, a little messy. But then at the end, you get this delicious sausage. You don't mm. want to know how it's made, but we're going to tell you because sometimes you got to. You got to make bad, bad looking votes to, yeah. uh, to get a, a nice spicy sausage. You do. Uh, uh, the eviction moratorium is the special uh, session of the uh, assembly uh, came about this past Wednesday. Kathy made a big deal about it uh, on Tuesday. I'm calling everybody for the special session. They already knew about it. They were, all of them were on the road Tuesday driving to Albany to get there in time for this Wednesday session. They didn't cover just the eviction moratorium, but that was the main reason for being there. Um, some of the stuff did get changed. Now there is in the in the heart. If somebody says that they're having a hardship, if you're the landlord, you can challenge their hardship, and they have to prove that they have a hardship because of COVID. Um, it's it's no longer like this blank. Like I have a hardship. My mom said so, and you get to automatically the moratorium on your rent and they they did push an extra three hundred thousand dollars into erap the emergency rental assistance program and pushed to get that money going uh for out faster now i do know that one of the reasons because i work for the state as i've mentioned on the podcast before i work for assemblyman burke one of the reasons why not as much money is coming out in new york state is because as they keep pushing the eviction moratorium there just aren't that many applications out there people huh. aren't applying as much because like like it is human nature until it becomes necessary for you to do so right you don't do it so people aren't saying they're like they're like i may owe 12 months of rent but it's not coming due yet so why would i apply right uh so one of the things that i know like our office is looking to do is to actually do some outreach in the renter areas of the district and maybe do some workshops and be like look we'll make it really easy for you to apply please come out and apply Let's get this taken care of. So because the last thing you want to have happen is once the moratorium is lifted is to get evicted right away. And then the landlord gets the money anyways, but you got kicked out regardless. Uh, But uh, Burke, Karen McMahon, Monica Wallace, and Bill Conrad, four local Dems in the the assembly, all voted against it. And I saw our friend Adam Bojack on Twitter saying he would love to hear why. Well, I'll tell you, it, you know, for Burke and for Monica especially, those are two are in, what are in considered at-risk districts. The enrollment advantage that they have is very, very slight, and they always get uh, Republican challengers. In our office, um, we got 50-plus calls and emails opposed to the extending the eviction moratorium and literally zero in favor. Uh, so it became, you know, really what do i do to represent my district and apparently my district wants me to vote against this eviction moratorium uh, extension it might not be the morally right thing to do but sometimes you have to represent your district you know you, you can't always lead sometimes you do have to be a delegate 
And there were enough boats to, boats to pass this. Right? Well, that's the so, other thing is that, you know, the, it, they all got the okay from Speaker Heasty. Basically, take the vote that you need to take the vote for your district. It's going to pass regardless. Right. We've got enough votes. If, if it was going to be close, he would have whipped them into shape. Pat is secretary of the majority. He would have been one of the people whipping people into voting yes for it. So if it was necessary for in order for it to pass... If it was going to be tight, it would have, it would have, they would have whipped them into the shape. But they didn't need to. Um, I saw on the response to Adam Bojack, our friend Jason Knight was like, follow the money. Please look at these four people's financials. They have no money. I mean, Conrad's got like nothing. Um, you know, Wallace and McMahon have more Burks in between them. Um, they're not getting donors from the, the real estate developers and from landlords. Um, that That's... They're, they don't, they're, they're not Tim Kennedy. They don't have Tim Kennedy money. They're not. <laughs> nobody, um, nobody does. <laughs> right. Um, you know, they, these, these are people who, you know, struggle each year with campaign financials uh, to survive. Um, they're all basically subsidized by the Democratic Assembly Campaign Committee to, in order to win their elections. Um, they're, they're not getting fat off of real estate developers. Um, and in each of their districts, if you think about like the districts that they represent, voters or renters make up a small minority of their district. You know, in Burke's district, he has South Buffalo and Kaisertown, which are renter heavy. Lackawanna, which is surprisingly like 50-50. Mm. Uh, and then West Seneca and Orchard Park, which are more owner-occupied. Uh McMahon has, for the most part, Amherst. While, the, yes, there are renters in Amherst, you know, I'm not going to pretend like there aren't, uh, it's still not a majority renter. Uh, Wallace has Cheektowaga and Lancaster. Now, Cheektowaga and Depew have a, a large amount of renters. Lancaster has a much smaller amount of renters. And like I said, she's at the most at-risk district of anybody around here. You know, it took until the absentee ballots were counted last year for her to win uh on election night it looked like she lost between early voting and election day voting it took into uh, absentees is what carried her across the line and who is the guy who almost beat her uh frank smearcheck oh frank smearcheck that's the guy who was carrying petitions for byron brown (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's right (laughs) they don't go away folks these people they just sorry Uh, Stick around, and then and then you have Bill Conrad, who yes, he's got renter areas of his district like City of Tonawanda and Kenmore, but then he's got you know, like Teton, which has a lot of homeownership in it too. Um, you know, but Bill Conrad to say Bill follow the money for Bill Conrad is probably the the most laughable because you know last I checked, Bill had like fifteen thousand dollars in his campaign account. Most county legislators and all members of the Common Council have more campaign money than Bill Conrad. Well, it sounds like he needs some. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll make some now. Yeah, right. Follow, follow the money from this vote. <laughs> oh, well, let me let me grow out my um, my, my finest mustache, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put on um, you know the Adam Bojack suit. He, he wears very nice suits when he's on TV. So I'm gonna say, and and look, I get it. I understand that sometimes you have to make moves at to the general public don't look great but ultimately it was going to pass anyway so you had the blessing to to take this vote who knows how pat would have voted if he was like the last vote you know like if if he needed to be the last and i would say like you're saying the general public it doesn't look good to 
registered Dems. This sure. vote. I would argue that in past district, in the general public, it, this looks better than if he had voted to extend it. I mean, I guess I, I'm again channeling my inner Adam Bojack here as best as I can. Uh, at the end of the day, he still voted against it. Like that's going to be on his record. I like Pat. He, he's a personal friend. I like him politically. Um, I I understand the machinations here of everything that you just said, but at the end of the day, he voted against it. And that's, and, and, and you know what? Like I know that elected officials have to, uh, again, the old delegate versus trustee. I feel like I'm in political science 101 thinking about this, but at the same time, it's like, I, I, I can't say what I would do in that seat because I'm not in his seat. I'm not in that role. Um, I don't face any of the pressures. I'm just some guy on a podcast. Like I'm just some, you know, drinking, well, today it's soda waters. Usually it's beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say like, man, that feels like something you could tell people like challenge me on it. Okay. Yeah. This is going to be the thing that you're going to run against me. You're going to use to try to primary or run against me on. Okay. I voted to make sure that people weren't kicked out of their homes would, would be what I say. But again, I'm not Pat. I'm not, I, I don't, you know, I don't face those pressures. So it's very easy for me to say, but also this is going to be a vote on his record and, and a Monica Wallace's record, Bill Conrad's record that they voted against it. How much it matters in the long run. Well, we don't I mean, know. I, you know. Maybe it matters if there's a democratic primary against them. They people might, somebody might try to bring that up, but no Republicans going to say you voted against the eviction moratorium. And that's what these four people are worried about. Where they're more likely to lose is in a general election in a November election to a Republican. So, that's who they have to play defense against. If they lose a primary, realistically, if any of these four Democrats lose a primary uh, to somebody on the left, that person's losing the general election anyways, and it's a Republican seat. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. And, of course, you know, you're, you're right that that against a, that an opponent is likely to use whatever votes in the past are convenient to use mm-hmm. in an election campaign. But I would point out to you that... Um, Kathy Hochul was a conservative Democratic Democrat for years, and now she's the progressive governor of New York. Right. So, you know, people evolve and opportunities abound. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, no, that's true. And again, how much this, this one single vote ultimately matters in, in the long run, it, it did pass. Like, we, we can't look past the fact that it, it, it did pass, that, you know, they weren't the deciding votes that ultimately kicked people out of their homes next week or whatever. So I, I will tell you the, the vote that all four of these people took that I expect to see run against them next year when they're running for reelection is that all four of them voted to legalize marijuana and in all four of the districts polling showed that that was unpopular. And I expect the Republicans to say these people legalize a gateway drug. Certainly. Well, and that's something I'd say, challenge me on that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go challenge, challenge me on my vote for marijuana, please. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, again, the old, the old sausage, the the hot dogs, nobody wants to know how they really come together, but they just taste delicious. And that's, that's how we feel about politics. You know, it's kind of gross, but it tastes delicious for our content. And just like hot hot dogs, politics takes years off your life. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it, it does. And, um, you know, reading uh, uh, reading anything that Stefan Mihailu puts out really Uh-oh. also takes years off my life. Oh, it also kind of gives me indigestion. Mm. 
it, um, you know, I, I need to take a Pepto-Bismol after, after reading anything really Stefan Mahailu puts out there. But he, he put out a, um, a particularly spicy one, Jeff. Oh, God. <laughs> have you, God, have you, I hate this so much. I hate what you're about to read. I, I'm going to read it so much. I'm going to read it as a, as somebody who's been, um, you know, covering the news for so long, Jeff, is it just like, it's visceral. This is like the worst (laughs) thing a politician can say in my book. This is the worst argument they can make for, for their, you know, election for what, what have you. Go ahead. Oh, no. Well, I was just going to say, I was going to say before we get to that, even specifically about Stefan Mihailu, like you've been covering this guy for so long as a a figure here in Western New York. Like, are are you excited for him to just finally lose, hopefully in November and and be out of our lives? Or is he going to like hang around like a canker sore for the next few years still i'm not comfortable expressing opinions like that i'm i'm an objective journalist you're a journalist okay i'm not i would imagine <laughs> if i were jeff <laughs> i'm gonna get into jeff's braid no um i i just can't imagine like having to cover that guy and uh, i don't know he just says such nonsense all the time it's not even funny anymore um i'm trying to pull up his stupid little white flight thing here you don't have to. I can just summarize it. Basically, okay. he said, I don't have to be here. I could be in Florida. I'd be in Florida if I weren't right. so committed to you, the voters, my constituency. Mm. You're so lucky to have me. I'd rather be in Florida. I'd rather be somewhere where I'd be free and there'd be no taxes. This is like the worst trope in politics ever. Like, I, I'm choosing public service. It's not good for me. It's for you. You are lucky to have me. Mm-hmm. Oh. I could be making so much more money in the private sector. This is an argument that politicians, the worst kind, make all the time. Oh, thank you, Stefan. Thank you yeah, for making the sacrifice so for us. Yes. Oh. I know that you could be rich and famous if, if you were not on the public dime. Mm-hmm. Fox News is calling him every day yeah. for his own show. He just keeps turning him down. It was some. It was some like editorial and some. The was it the rocket? Yeah, the the Buffalo, the Buffalo rocket. rocket. Right. Well read by the uh, constituency in Hamburg. Oh, that's right. It was in the rocket. Yeah, it was in the rocket. Yeah. Yeah, it was some some. I, I couldn't I couldn't find it. It's lost in the internet somewhere. But yeah, it was exactly like you said, Jeff. Like, oh, I, you know, we could we could be doing something else. We could be in Florida, and we could you know be having a good time in the sun, but. Instead, we're, we're out there working for you people. I had an interview with a candidate, and I'll tell you about it. This was years ago. Pete Savage, who was then uh, an aide to Mayor Byron Brown, he was a top advisor, was going to run for a council seat. Uh, this was when, when the mayor was still at war with headquarters all the time, and they were fighting over committee seats, and they were trying to get a majority on the council, et cetera, et cetera. They thought they'd run one of their best and brightest, Pete Savage, for council <laughs> against David Rivera. Um, or for the seat that David Rivera eventually won. Anyway, so so Pete Savage wanted to meet with me. I was with Art Voice at the time. We sit down for coffee, and he says, in his particular tone of voice, he says, Jeff, I don't have to be doing this. I'm a lawyer. I could make so much more money at some private law firm, and I just thought to myself, this interview is over. <laughs> it's over. But, of course, you know, it wasn't over for Pete Savage. He lost that council race. He, among other things, became attorney of record for Nick Sinatra, even as he was uh, pres- uh, 
chair of the county legislature. That's mm-hmm. a job he maintained, and now he's a city court judge. Mm-hmm. My God, this town is so goddamn so, small. <laughs> like, it all comes back to like the same shit. <laughs> oh, Sinatra again. Oh, weird. There's yeah. a connection there. Even in Jeff's uh, funny little anecdote. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, you know, we, we pressed the Stefan button and now it's just, it's all worn out. Uh, Stefan also did something this week where, so he, uh, he sent out a press release where uh, there was uh, a board of elections employee was outside having a cigarette break and some woman drove by with an upside down American flag in her car. And apparently, allegedly, this Board of Elections employee, who's a Democrat, said, do you have something, there's something wrong with you? And she started got into an argument, and he said something about, why don't you suck my dick? Oh. And uh, Stefan started off his press release with quotes from Mark Polenkars and Jeremy Zellner oh from, like, Twitter about how sexual harassment is, is never right, and you always should b- believe the woman. And Stefan, basically the gist was, are they going to fire this guy because he sexually harassed a woman? Also, how long was his cigarette break because she was able to go on her way to do business and then on the way back see this guy out there still smoking a cigarette? Which, he could have been on lunch. He gets an hour for lunch. Could be. Maybe he just, maybe he doesn't eat for lunch. Maybe he just smokes cigarettes. I don't know how long she was in the building. Right. I don't, yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, it's a 15-minute break. If if she caught him right as he came outside, yeah. and he was right before he went back inside, I've done business in that building before. It, you can be done in less than 15 minutes. You can. Yeah. I mean, in any case, if what she says is true, he deserves to be disciplined. There's no question about it. Right. Yeah. But I mean... But, uh, but Ste- I don't understand what role Stefan Mahalo has to do with an idea of that process. Right. He's got... He's is, got there, is there a check being written? Probably, <laughs> you know, is there right? Yeah, uh, no. Is there uh, a vendor whose whose like application has to be right. vetted? Yeah, uh, um, no. This is just, I think. Well, it's, a it's an opportunity for him to try to point out what he thinks is hypocrisy. Um, but I would argue that this wasn't necessarily sexual harassment. This was harassment, right? But it wasn't necessarily sexual harassment. Um, and then the and yes, they deserve to be disciplined. Uh, I'm familiar with the county disciplinary process. I used to discipline lots of employees uh, when in my prior life. Um, Stefan's gonna be very disappointed to find out that the first step is an oral warning. Mm. It's not immediate termination and then tarn feathering. Um, but I think this is a lot of payback for the fact that his employee that he refused to discipline got disciplined by the personnel department. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's more. That's that's the Stefan portion of the. Uh, I had enough of him. <laughs> of, of the episode. <clears throat> Moving on, we have uh, we got some stuff in the city, Rye. We yeah. got some some bumps. So the speed cameras out. Get out. They're mm-hmm. out. You cut speed bumps in. Speed bumps in. Furthermore, it turns out that possibly every ticket ever issued by the school zone cameras is illegal. Yes. Wow. Whoopsie doodle. Wow. Yeah, and and so the city, I mean, it's up to, it's actually before Judge Hank Nowak, uh, it's up to him to decide whether he should, on the basis of this profound discovery by a lawyer, uh, order the city to basically pay back, what, like $2 million yeah. in fines? Wow. Yeah, it turns out that uh, one of the prerequisites for having, this is just one of a couple of reasons that it turns out that it's illegal from from the jump one of the prerequisites in the state law that enabled the city to have 
these school zone cameras in the first place is you have to employ a camera operator who has to do a couple of certifications every day. They've got to, they've got to sort of like run the camera through a test. They also have to sign off on every ticket it issues. Um, so you have to have those. It's, you know, it's one of those public employment schemes. You, you build into the law the jobs you've got to hire. The city <laughs> didn't hire any, and they admitted that to a lawyer during both in response to a FOIL request and then in a, a hearing uh, up over a parking ticket. This woman who is, uh, who is a much highfalutin, more highfalutin lawyer than, than usually represents someone over a parking ticket or a traffic violation happened to be representing this person over these two tickets that they couldn't afford to pay. And she foiled for all this information, saw you don't have any camera operators, argued before the uh, magistrate or whatever they're called in that room, these tickets should be invalid. And the magistrate said, yeah, <laughs> and, and wrote oh, that no. down as the reason. And that, so in, in a sort of binding situation, in a legal situation, a city arbitrator, that's not the name for it, I can't remember what they're called, uh, hearing officer, the hearing officer wrote down, this is illegal. That is a precedent. That means they're all illegal. Wow. Every single one of them. Wow. What's the website they, to get your refund? I don't know. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, um, Byronsmillions.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, the, there's a couple of lawsuits out there, and this lawyer filed uh, an affidavit in support of one being run by Kevin Stocker, which he, oh. filed, which he filed back in March basically saying the whole thing is unconstitutional and illegal from the start. And, uh, and this, is, this finding was just what he needed yeah. to push that lawsuit along. <laughs> Shocking that this was all done extremely half-assed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Blows me away. Jeez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the speed cameras. So, I, so it's, so it's going to cost the, the city mm-hmm. all the fines that they were... Uh, yes. Plus <laughs> the, the cost to mail this all out. Yes. And all the hourly pay to pay somebody to to fight all these checks yeah. and do all that. That yes. really pay they weren't paying someone before. But, yeah. Plus, potentially, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of breach of contract with the company that put the cameras in, and they sue the ca- the city for saying we were going to make a certain amount of money off of you. Why not? Why? <laughs> If there wasn't oh. before, Jim, there will be now. Wow. But, but at least we spent like six, eight months talking about nothing else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, we, we talked about the speed camera thing and how like it's just such a, um, you know, it's just so emblematic of like Byron Brown's time as mayor that it's just like stupid and punitive and really makes no sense why we did this other than is like a regressive way to bring in revenue and then it turns out he couldn't even do like the shitty thing that he did right <laughs> like he couldn't he couldn't even implement this right and it's going to cost the city you know how, however many possibly again again the judge the judge doesn't doesn't have to say the city has to pay everyone back mm-hmm. but he he might he could yeah he could well jeff it's a it's a pleasure to have you here and uh, you know we're not um we're not wrapping up quite yet but i i do want to say that um you know you and the folks over the investigative post really provide us just a great deal of fodder for our content here. You, you make it, you put us on easy mode uh, where you do the actual work 
of <laughs> of researching and, and being a real journalist. And um, please oh, donate to the Investigative uh, Post. Uh, I yes, do. yes, please do. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. Please yeah. donate, listener. If you know, if you want to listen, if you like us, you donate to us. Yeah. But if you really like us, yeah. then you will help us continue to have great stories to talk about and the great stories to talk about come from the folks over at investigative post please help me pay off my debt oh yeah mm -hmm. and give the investigative <laughs> ryan we're gonna go to the please casino do, you gotta double down if you me. had to choose choose investigative post though well if you had to choose but yeah. we're gonna take you to the casino you're gonna okay. you're gonna double down you're gonna make all your money back that is the way to do it thank you put all my money on lobster <laughs> all, all your money on lobster, but no, the fine folks over investigative post, um, just absolutely knocking out of the park. And, um, you know, this story, it was, it was Phil Gambini story. I know, but I, I would want to talk, or I do want to talk about this just because again, it's one of those like quality of life stories that, um, it, it, it gets, I, I don't want to say like, it's not sexy or it doesn't move the needle. It's just like the kind of, it, it's the kind of journalism that frankly we have, lost from our, our major news outlets and to see um, to see it coming from the investigative post is, is highly encouraging that it hasn't gone away like the need for actual journalism about real people's lives and livelihoods has not gone away and there are still people doing that work um, so this uh, this article more danger lurking in the water it's about the fish caught in uh, the Lake Erie and Lake Ontario containing the quote forever chemicals uh, that can cause major health problems here and shocker it's affecting uh, the immigrant population adversely the most here in Buffalo so um, I, I just want to talk about this briefly just because again I thought it was a really interesting piece from IP and also like I don't know we, we don't things like the water quality or like the fish quality or it, it just doesn't we, it's happening here and yet we we don't get enough of it I, I would argue that if the fish quality was affecting the lives of people in East Amherst the Buffalo News would cover it <laughs> maybe I don't know uh, it's a yeah it's a real issue and it's going to be we're just going to learn more and more about uh, PFAS contamination because it's just omnipresent and it's, it's everywhere in the air in the soil and the water it's in our bodies it's incredibly uh pernicious and pervasive uh and this study that phil found really kind of illustrated it you know in in a in like a very narrow population right but um but there's so many vectors of exposure to pfas chemicals that we're all suffering mm. and we just don't know that much because in the last 10 years it's just in the last 10 years that people have started to really study uh the impacts for sure and again like as we all tout you know buffalo and our population increase is <laughs> mostly thanks to the immigrant populations that come here and it's like well now you're coming here and okay you know you escaped whatever you were you were leaving trying to get away from in your own country. And here you come eating the toxic fish. Like lucky, lucky you guys. Yep. Welcome to America. Welcome to Buffalo. Yep. So speaking of toxic fish. Yes. Jeff. <laughs> nice segue. Uh, back to Stefan Mihailo. <laughs> no, no. Uh, worse than Stefan Mihailo. Uh, two weeks ago in Politico, there was a puff piece about Mike Caputo. Oh, yes. I recognize the photograph, but not all of the words. <laughs> it's East Aurora's own. Yeah. 
East Aurora Zone. East Mike Aurora Pudo. Zone, Mike Caputo used to be, but he <laughs> right, East, he, he, he has he has uh, pioneered the way for Stefan. He is headed down to Florida. Right, which, which my belief is, you know, the reason why he went down to Florida is because the two leading candidates for the Republican presidential nomination in 2024 mm. are probably Trump and DeSantis, and Caputo wants to be as close to them as possible so that he can get onto the right one when he needs to get onto the right one. That's a reasonable supposition. Caputo is certainly always looking for, you know, the next big chance. Yeah. And, and you know, and whatever is going on in the Republican Party, between the Republican and conservative parties and intramurally, there's, there's some kind of weird conflict that I'm not privy to and no one will quite admit to me, but it's, it look, but it's obvious, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it has uh, boiled over from time to time. Uh, certainly it was... Certainly the Garcia and Healy case thing like surfaced it for a moment. Maybe, and I don't know where Caputo fell Mm -hmm. in that battle, but maybe there just wasn't the kind of opportunity to hear for him. Right. That, uh, that there was elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, um, if you've, if you read the political article, I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a very nice piece, uh, towards a very terrible man it is true i will say this i'm just trying to be careful because caputo and i you know have had a relationship but it is true that it is a redemption piece in which the redempted the redeemed i should say expresses no regret yeah yeah that's a little weird no he, he found his catholic faith he recovered from cancer and uh, he he didn't change his his ways whatsoever. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it seems. Uh, I wonder what, I wonder what he feels about Pope Francis. Anyway, that's I I have one other thing that we don't have on the board that I want to talk. And I bring it back to the mayor's race. We mm. we mentioned quickly how Carl called uh, the mayor a mope. Yes, and that he he'd take his chances with the dot dot. That dot was to me. I was talking to him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> to you. Yeah, uh, I. Now maybe things maybe the calculus has changed now that Byron is is likely on the ballot. I opined last week that that to me was just the first step in Carl announcing his own write-in campaign. It occurred to me that that might be the case. Uh, it occurred to me because he also suggested in that phone call, or actually in a follow-up phone call, he suggested that he had been spending some hours compiling a list of all the reasons, all his grievances with Byron Brown, and that he was going to call a press conference sometime in the soon, like in the next week or two. This is when we had the conversation, so the time's almost up. Um, basically to tell all the world about his problems with Byron Brown. <laughs> He's not going to wait for festivals. And when I, got off that conversa- when I got off that phone call, I thought, Holy cow! He's gonna he's gonna announce his own write-in candidacy <laughs> for sure. That's why you have a press conference like that. But yeah. maybe, maybe that was just perhaps that was just a wild fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, maybe it was just a fever dream. But I, yeah, I uh, that that's what I got took away from it. I was like, I was like, oh my god, Carl's gonna run for mayor. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, I still don't really know what that phone call was about. <laughs> if it was if it was, uh, you know, a feint, if he was, you know, trying to help Byron by putting distance between them. Mm-hmm. If, he, if, he, if that was what he was trying to do, he may have gone a little overboard. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, that was a strange one. 
Well, we're a little bit all over the place this week. Also, I, we forgot to mention we have a um, a mayoral debate coming up this week. Guys. We do. Uh, the ninth, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, a little bit of a tempest in a teapot there where India Walton said, who came out and was like, oh, she's only agreeing to one debate and somebody got mad at her, but it was, it was uh, I think it was Dave Grieber. At Dave Grieber. Yeah. That, cause he wouldn't agree to their guy. debate. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, that and and was like and was trying to make it look like she was refusing to bait Byron at all, right? And and right. I, I saw some people on on Twitter take the bait, like this is a bad look for her or for her supporters. She's not she's refusing to debate, and they were, they all had to like keep like whack a moleing and saying like there is a debate scheduled, right? Like we're just not doing their debate. And her request was was that the debate was open to other writing candidates, right? So there will yeah. be four. People total. There's going to be four people total at the at this debate. Right. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Including Allentown's own Ben Carlisle. Yeah, Ben Carlisle will be included. Yeah, he because he asked. Uh, it's funny because Ben. So a week or so ago, I listed other writing candidates, but only those who had taken the time to form a committee. So I did not include the enigmatic Jazz Miles mm-hmm. because he has not formed a committee, but he will be on the debate stage. That's that's interesting. Well, there's still time for Carl to get on that debate stage. Oh, it's not too late. Please, there, God. If we learned anything, anything on Please. Friday, it's that there are no deadlines. Please, there's no God. such thing as a deadline. There is no rule of law. Right. Oh, man. If anybody, listen, you don't have to be a fan of Carl, and I'm certainly not, but you can be a fan of entertainment. And mm-hmm. I, pro- I promise you, if you get Carl Palladino on that debate stage, you will get entertainment. Oh, well. Boys, we put in the work today on this Labor Day. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope I hope uh, Ernest is paying us PTO for working here on the clock. I hope so. You know, we we really did the damn thing today, but we did it for you, the listener. You know, you you are a mythical listener. You are, like I said at the top of the show, you're great. I hope, I hope at least Ernest gives us free tickets to his Ferris wheel. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, he yeah. just won the chicken wing contest. Like, right. He's got to be That's rolling right. in the dough. Right. Yeah. So, no, we did it. We had Jeff on for... Just an incredible episode here this Labor Day. We're now going to enjoy the holiday. But mm-hmm. um, but before we wrap it up here, Jeff, where can we support you, Investigative Post? Go to investigativepost.org and you'll see uh, buttons you can push all over the website to donate. We, you know, we're a not-for-profit uh, investigative journalism center, the only one in Western New York. And uh, we rely on on subscriber support. Uh, we rely on small donors primarily. We also, of course, get some foundation money, both locally and, importantly, from out of town. But uh, it's really subscribers, small donors, that matter most. How much do you pay for Netflix? 18 bucks a month? Spotify, 10 bucks a month? Why don't you make a recurring donation to Investigative Post? Mm-hmm. You should. Yeah. That's a great idea. Do it. Right. There's so much garbage that you're just gets taken out of your credit, you know, out of your bank account anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why don't you? Why don't you pay for good stuff? You, right. Yeah. Stop paying those student loans and pay for investigative post. <laughs> right. It, it's probably more worth it. I would say. Yeah. yeah. I d- oh, definitely more. Oh, come Absolutely on. Absolutely more worth. Absolutely it. more worth it to your daily but, life. Are you yeah, kidding me? Yeah. The repercussions of not paying your student debt, though. I don't know. Well, I just just yeah, I don't know. just just contact Biden and say cancel it. Right. I'm pretty sure if you become a subscriber when we start having events again, if that ever happens, I think your your first couple of beers are free. Oh, oh yes. Cool. So all right. Well, you love to see it. You love to hear it. Also, you're on the Twitters, right? Uh, I post news is for the investigative post. Jeff, what's your Twitter handle? G H Kelly, nineteen sixty nine. 
All right. I forgot. (laughs) Follow Jeff because we love him. We love to have him. And Mm -hmm. frankly, he just makes our lives so much. I'm, I'm, you know, not to, not to mark out here, Jeff, but like, I remember, you know, reading art voice back in the day and like getting super interested in politics and like the whole thing based on your reporting. Cause I certainly wasn't getting in the Buffalo. I, I still thought of them as the Buffalo snooze back then, even when they were a much better newspaper, but it was your work in, um, in art voice and certainly the public and now investigative post that really just jazzed me up. So every time we talk to you, I'm like, I, I kind of geek out a bit. So I, I really appreciate you being on our podcast. It's uh it's an honor for me personally. And, and for yeah, the guys agreed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's ridiculous, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and you can always find us, the fine folks at the Square Podcast. We are at Square Pod Buff on Twitter. We are on Instagram, and you get yeah. to see some lovely pics of Jim and in a, in a lobster in a lobster uh, outfit yeah. or outfit. something. Yep, cut out. Yeah, lobster cut out with mm-hmm. a cigarette in my mouth. That's right. 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 Yeah, uh, Jim, we can find you at the uh, the old Battle Gym of the Republic on Instagram. Battle Gym of the Republic on Instagram or at James Tamel on Twitter. Rye. I'm at the real Ryan Steele on Twitter. He sure is. And I am nowhere to be found. I am to be found, but I don't like to be found. I, I value my privacy a little bit. Yeah. But please DM me and I'll send you his info. Please right. follow <laughs> and give us money. And then more importantly, give Jeff an investigative post money. So yep. enjoy your Labor Day. Uh, shout out to all the workers who who got us to this point, who got yep. us the day off. Hopefully you have the day off. Or yep. if not, you're getting paid great overtime. So. Labor Day. Labor day. Labor day.